Hi, everybody. This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless your hospital's completely out of surgeons, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Sci-Fi 5, which is a real podcast that I am writing for from Roddenberry. So check that one out. Right. No joke here. Sorry. Uh, this is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. You can find this podcast online at Hi Everybody MD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or at www.hieverybodymd.com. You can also talk to us, leave us messages, give us ideas, text us even at 530-DOCTORB. That's 530-D-O-C-T-O-R-B. The B stands for, yes, I'm going to use it. Luis Guzman, <laughs> who is in this episode of Code Black is what we're watching this week. Should have been for balloons since they use the same solution twice. I'm sticking with Luis <laughs> Guzman. <laughs> he was very prominent in this episode. He was. Yeah. He was. Uh, we are discussing season one, episode two of Code Black, which is not available on streaming. But if you're a pirate, you not a pirate, you can find it on Daily Motion. But don't yeah. do that. And uh, we are joined this week by regular guest, Dr. Greg Winter. What's up? Hi, everybody. What's up? <laughs> I remembered this time. Uh, and uh, Dr. Scott Herskowitz. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson, why are we discussing season one, episode two of Code Black? Um, so a lot of hospitals right now are in a Code Black situation. Um, and for people who don't know what that means, it means the hospital is overloaded, overcapacity, um, patients are in the hallway, wait times are excessive, you're boarding patients in the um, ER itself because there's no patient rooms upstairs. Um, this was a big issue in my fellowship. The hospital was pretty much code black probably about 200, 250 days a year, and we would get notifications every night at midnight that they were at code black. So okay. considering how all the hospitals are overloaded right now, I thought, yeah, let's watch this show that surprisingly was on for three seasons is it yeah? Were you in pediatric only hospital or were you? Was it adults? It was it was adults and okay. peds, um, and definitely on the adult side, they would be boarding patients for upwards of forty to fifty hours. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's it's much worse now. I mean, in the community, um, just in Riverside County, it's it's horrendous. Just being up there, I was like, wow, this is this is awful. Yeah, I sort of feel like I don't have much to say because I don't work in the hospital, and both of you do, but I'm going to say a bunch. <laughs> oh, there's, Welcome to my world. There's <laughs> plenty to talk about in this episode, I think, in general. Yeah. Uh, really quick, folks, uh, we've got a lot of new listeners that have been coming on over the last few weeks, so uh, welcome. And best thing you can do if you're enjoying the show is please just tell one friend about it and let them know where to find us. Also, rate and review us on Apple because that will mm-hmm. bump us up on the list and give us more visibility. Yeah, and it's a huge ego boost. Yes, it is. Should we maybe say what we do yeah. since we do One such different things? Or what we are supposed to do. We're supposed <laughs> to do. <laughs> so I'm a, this is Jackson, so that we can clarify this. Um, I'm a pediatric emergency doctor. Uh, this is Greg. I, I am a hospice and palliative care physician, so I do patients that are at end of life uh, or have really significant symptoms related to illness. I am Scott, and I am a pediatric emergency doctor as well. Now, I'm Johnny, and I'm not qualified to be here. Speaking (laughs) of crushing egos, that kind of is how this episode starts, I guess. Um, Well, so the premise of the show is that it's a hospital that was 
in and that they, they tell you this in text at the beginning of the of the episode uh it's in code black 300 nights a year and when i was watching it i thought oh wow that's ludicrous and overinflated and then apparently it's not so this is actually based on a documentary called code black um which was based in la county is it at la county usc it is la at county Kings. usc oh yeah um and they did code black based on how crowded and overloaded the emergency department is wait times going up to 20 hours and at moments too so um cbs decided let's turn this into a drama with luis guzman i mean why not they should do more luis guzman yeah luis guzman and everything as far as i'm concerned <laughs> i agree i don't know why he wasn't a nurse doctor respiratory <laughs> he therapist can, he, can yeah. do it. Like, he was the nurse the, in this the, one but he definitely did not act like the nurse he's it's weird because it's like he has that he has a strong personality of like sort of the unit the as nurse strong as his eyebrow the, <laughs> of the, like the nursing unit manager who kind of really is a team lead and just has to figure out ways to get stuff done but also i've never seen i've never had a pep talk at any of my jobs other than when i worked at best buy or maybe I should say, other than when I worked at a big electronics store, <laughs> uh, which was weird because they would super do pep talks, and that is not a thing in in. Well, that's medicine. why that's why Best Buy is still here and Circuit City is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think: Have we ever had pep talks at work? You no, don't start no. with a morning Nobody huddle and a uh, like a this is what's on special today, guys. Morning huddle. Yeah, but that so. Uh, I mean, I think sometimes we're supposed to be involved with Morning Huddle, but I'm lazy. And uh, that that does not happen because they talk about things that I am uh, less concerned about. And then a pep talk, even in Morning Huddle, you know, when when I've been there, like, come on. Some of these things, like, it's not like, hey, uh, Greg, you know, I know you had a rough past couple days. Right. uh, (laughs) I think – I have confidence in you. <laughs> no, it's it's about, hey, these are our patients. These are the things that are pending and going. Kind of here's maybe what's coming up later. It's not – I mean, that was like a real – that was like a cheerleading pep talk. Yeah. We did. We do have some, like, sadness congregations at the end of shifts sometimes <laughs> where you're just like, it'll get better. I mean, we have debriefs after codes that are hard, which are sure. kind of like pep talks, but it's more like critiquing at the same but, time. But, like, it's not like you sit back and be like, hey, man. I read When Breath Becomes Air yesterday, and this really <laughs> applies to the situation that we have. I just want to let you know that philosophically, this situation is like that. I don't know. Like, it, it just What did he say? Like the first medicine we give to patients is oxygen. Al- is oxygen. You should also use oxygen for yourself or something like that. Something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah take, uh, take five seconds and breathe because that's the first medicine we give patients is oxygen. As a hospice doctor, I'm just going to say, When Breath Becomes Air is a good book. So you should read it. It's <laughs> worth it. I mean, I, I'm laughing at it, too, but. I was hating on that book so hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I read it and was like, fine. I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it, you, you get to be a little bit profound when horrible things happen to you. So, I don't know. It's a good book. I think that's just called America. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we get to be profound yet. Not yet. <laughs> We're not there. Now, if you were going to be giving or receiving those pet talks, would it be while you were mopping blood off the floor and uh, changing bloody bed sheets without gloves? I did not realize they weren't wearing gloves. No, the, it was the end of the scene was glove up. You've got work to do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, when this when this started, we all basically looked at each other like, "What? Like this is not a thing that doctors no. do." No, oh, like. Maybe we could be more helpful, but um, I, yeah, that is definitely not something that they're like, 
Hey, uh, Dr. Scott, um, there's a there's a bedpan that needs we, cleaning. There is a janitorial staff. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part I've of it. Like the doctors have to go treat other patients. Yeah, I've never told a resident, hey, there's a big steaming pile in the corner over there. Why don't you go get it? Yeah. Maybe we should. I mean. No, no. <laughs> that's a different type of pimping. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually, I hospice is very much team-based approach, so I like really I do help with things like that, like when a patient soils their bed sheets and stuff. But all, it's not just me doing it. I mean, everyone is helping. It was just a very weird thing, like they're on punishment or something. It's, yeah. That's not that's not the case. No. It was like a hazing moment. It almost, was. Or oh. a, it's your, well, this is before you get to do the real work. Right. You've got you've to clean all the stuff up from yesterday. And this is an unnecessarily tough residency because they painted that. Yeah. They mm -hmm. said like half the people, do, what? Dropped out of the yeah, residency? Yeah, half, half the people don't make it. No, they didn't say dropped out. They said didn't make it, implying they got fired is, due to office politics. Is that You don't want to issue a complaint because half the people don't make it through this residency. So that's that's really strange because I think the actual statistics are somewhere around like 10 to 12 percent of out. residents don't make it through. So it's a pretty small percentage of people who don't. I mean, it's not inconsequentially small. But saying fifty percent of, yeah, of, of residents don't you have make a it, really bad you got a training problem. program. Right, that, exactly. That means your program Something is getting bad. shut down. Like, oh no, we're just we're just this is a tough love residency here. <laughs> like, what is this? Did you read too much Anne Rand or something? <laughs> like, come on. You know, I feel like they all dropped out because they were told to clean up blood. Yeah, <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah, like yeah. I I came here to learn medicine, not the to other thing clean that blood. I found really <laughs> and catch somebody's poop. Yeah. Oh my god, that happens later too. We'll get there. Um, but the other thing that was insulting was how they were making fun of them for being tired. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Like, how often do you ask somebody, like, hey, man, how you how you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit tired. I'm kind of, you know, like, it's been a long day. It's been a long week. Like, who goes, like, man, that's just weak. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that used to be, if it, I mean, it used to be a badge of honor about staying up late and a whole bunch of stuff. But then it turns out it leads to medical mistakes and malpractice. And I think it was when ja – I don't know when, when you went through residency, but when Jackson and I went through, that's when they stopped the – that's when they implemented the work hour rules. They implemented it the year after right. we so started. We, so we didn't have work hour rules. So we – I mean, I worked I worked 80-hour work weeks more than once. That's like – you shouldn't ever do that. There that's a, not a good thing. It's not a, helpful. There no. was one hospital I worked at. It was 100-hour weeks. Yeah. That, I mean, like, that's that's garbage. You also don't want somebody treating you when they can fall asleep standing up. Yep. Which is a thing I've done in a surgery in medical school. <laughs> oh, hundred. I was I was appropriately kicked out of the surgery. <laughs> yeah. Were yeah. you made to sing first or after? That's a different story, <laughs> which also happened. <laughs> Ooh. That's I, uh, a lot of stuff happened to me in med school. <laughs> oh, one med one school. day we're gonna have an episode things that happened to Greg in med school. That's a, any episode I'm on. <laughs> you find a show that just has a bunch of medical students and follows them around scrubs medical school yeah what there's a scrubs medical school it's the forgotten season that no one wants to talk about because it's not that great oh then that sounds perfect yeah well, i don't know if i can well, <laughs> I, got, I need a palate cleanser with face off after this yeah we do we need to retouch on facebook or face off i think or nick cage yeah oh that's when we got to do the rock Oh yeah, any day, any, any day. day. Yeah. Oh, that okay. might be one of the greatest movies of all time. We'll get there. <laughs> um, so they said Saturday night it was coming and it was going to be real bad. I I don't. 
Do you think Saturday is the worst night no. in the ER? I don't either. I don't. I mean, I would assume Friday. I know that when I worked in the ERs in residency, Fridays were the ones where like things just got weird. Surprisingly, volume wise, it's not. Yeah, it, but yeah, volume-wise, Saturday night's not the worst. I mean, I guess it does depend on the institution that you're at. But, I mean, for us, Sundays are pretty horrible. Sundays um, and Mondays were Mondays usually the are worst pretty horrible. Days. So I wonder if it's different between adults and kids, though, too. Not, when I worked at an adult hospital, it was also Sunday and Monday were the worst days. Okay. Because well, could some like, of that be staffing, though? And no, you have it's actually, more doctors and more, like, you have more staff on for, no? No, it isn't. Um, it's because a lot work the work week begins on Monday, so a lot of people try to get stuff checked out before they go to work on Monday, or they go to work on Monday and then realize something's wrong and then go to mm -hmm. the ER that night. Uh, so, trauma wise, probably not the most on Sunday and Monday, probably on Friday and Saturday. But in terms of sick patients, Sunday and Monday are usually the busiest and worst days in the emergency department. And Saturday, uh, Fridays and Saturdays, the uh, outpatient physician offices are still open. So for things that can kind of be triaged first and, and prevented from coming in, they, they can at least be seen or have a discussion with their physician outpatient versus Sunday that rarely happens. Mm -hmm. They all come in. And Monday, would it be like, a, oh, this escalated on Sunday when we couldn't have seen the doctor sort of situation? Yeah. Or I can't go back to work until I get this checked out. Or please it, don't make me go back to work until I get this checked out. Yeah, it's more what Greg said. That it's it's that kind of situation where they they go back to work, they start like exerting a little bit, and then realize, oh, something's wrong. I got to go to the emergency department, and then you find STEMIs and all that other stuff. So that's when. And that's, what's a STEMI? It's an ST elevation myocardial infarction, which heart is attack. a heart attack. Okay. Yeah, I still remember that stuff because we got to see adults now. Jackson talks fancy. <laughs> I do. I do. I do talk fancy. But that kind of leads into this whole thing where. I think this is the most number of patients covered in one episode of a medical show we've covered. Yeah, they, there were a lot of them. And a lot of them were just one scene um, where no, it was none just, of them were just none one of scene. them were one scene. <laughs> they all except for nosebleed guy. That was one scene. No, it was two because then the father needed reassurance okay. from the ER attending. Wasn't Fair there enough. like a leg laceration or something that was just one scene? So I think that lady turned out to be called uh, Lex. Turned out to be lady with <laughs> belly pain. Oh, okay. Yeah, that got really confusing, but... Was that ovarian torsion woman? That was ovarian torsion woman. Oh, uh, yeah. So she initially comes in because she got into a car accident. Car accident, yeah, and it was the same one. You're right. Yeah, You're she right. was told she had leg lacerations. For some reason, they were explaining zones Oh, on yeah. her leg, which I don't think I've ever described legs and Z zones. Zones? Yeah. I mean, that's a... That's a, that's a, a neck, neck thing. Yeah. A neck thing. It is a neck thing, yeah. I also thought it was weird, like... You know, they, they, they sort of set it up where this is going to be a really busy night, blah, blah, blah. And then immediately there's three ambulances that pull up at the same time, which is not like ambulances call ahead and they triage where they're going. Even it's not. It depends if it's a base station or not. But, but you would, but you would know those patients are yeah, coming. You know, right? yeah, you you're still right. will get a heads it's, up. It's you're very right. different that like it's not that. I mean, it's still chaotic and it's tough and stressful. It's just they know who's coming in and. We get rooms it, ready. It, people aren't surprised by by the ambulances coming in, or at least very rarely. Very rarely. I mean, maybe trying to be somewhat uh, defend defend them, but maybe this was twenty. They're basing it off of twenty years ago. Oh, yeah. Also, I don't work in an ER, so don't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really important. Uh, I'm basing this on my limited experience, and there's two ER doctors here, so yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe it, maybe it was 20, 20 years ago. You're basing it off of this, uh, this, this tale and uh, the, this kind of nonfiction uh, rendering of, of, uh, of an L.A. County hospital. And maybe then it was there wasn't that much foresight. There wasn't that much planning. And there wasn't that much communication between EMS and, and the EDs. But I, I, I think EMS and the interaction between emergency departments now is it's very well done. And I almost rarely ever see somebody that I'm not aware of that's yeah. coming in. The information may be limited, yeah. granted. But they try to close the loop. But you know someone's coming. Yeah, but definitely not three all at once. I mean, even if there were three all at once, it I they wouldn't have all rushed. Like, you would have already been broken up. You would have known who's assigned to what. It's It was just a weird, like... Especially in a car accident situation, like, when they consider it, a, like, a mass casualty incident. But those weren't the, all... They a weren't. car accident. Those were all... Th there were three different things that came in. There was <laughs> two, two from one car accident. Yeah, I, I mean, you have it all set up. I mean, yeah. when we... we literally just had one of these and it was like you just had three rooms three physicians and you broke it up and had three different teams that were just sitting there waiting for it to happen yep. and you did it yeah i will say it's pretty fun waiting you're like five minutes huh <laughs> that is the best <laughs> hey what's the eta you gotta be here in five minutes well if the patient's not there in 30 minutes the treatment's free correct if the patient is not there in 30 minutes the treatment is free Though, however, sometimes they'll go like, oh, our ETA is 10 minutes. And then you see the lights coming in. You're like, come on. <laughs> no one's ready. No one's gowned up. It's bad. Well, that so so maybe that's where like they all show up at once. You're like, oh, hey, man, we get all these patients. ETA, 10 minutes. Okay, you just called right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're, like, you're you, outside. You know that you are not 10 minutes away. <laughs> you're in the ambulance bay. You yes. see them driving around the block three times. Yeah. Oh, we'll be there soon. Yeah. Uh. So in that scene... We kind of saw, the, oh my gosh, they said the title of the show. Yes. Uh, when, um, I don't know if she was the lead attending. She's the residency coordinator. Yep. The residency coordinator said basically, okay, you're here, you're here, you're here until it's code black. And then, quote, we're free balling it, unquote. Does that mean like no underwear or? <laughs> yeah. Whenever I'm yeah, I, I assume that everything would have been used by, <laughs> as tourniquets or something by then. Maneuverability. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I assume that even in that sort of high volume situation in an actual ER, it wouldn't be a, well, we're going to play it by these rules and then we're just going to make it up as we go. I mean, some so some ERs are divided by zones depending on like the acuity of sickness in general. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we'll cross other zones to help out if it gets really, really busy. So that could be a situation like that. I couldn't tell how big this ER was. It looked not that big, yeah. but also there were way lots of people everywhere. It What it looked like was they opened up like, oh, we need to do ER overflow. We're going to open up this area and then we're just going to treat. We're going to treat them in the hall. Right. It, it didn't look... It didn't look like a normal ER would look because a, a normal ER, you separate patients. You're trying to, I mean, trying to make sure you're not cross-contaminating things. Granted, it depends on the size of the hospital, but, like, they were really, really packed in tight. Yeah, mm -hmm. again, maybe this is that. This is what it was 20, 30 years ago. I'm just trying to give them some yeah. credit. But, yeah, I mean, if, if something were like this were to happen, you know, at least for us and for any big emergency department where, they're, where they – create it where it's a zoned environment, if there were multiple traumas or multiple resuscitations going on, what ends up happening is the other people in those lower acuity zones get called over 
and you're waiting and ready to do those resuscitations while those patients who don't need to be dealt with right then are, are kind of left yeah. to be evaluated later. They, they talked about triaging a lot. Way too much. Yeah, this is what it would look like if there was a mass casualty event, right? Like Every th day. Then I would assume that, okay, yeah, you're going to do stuff like that. Otherwise, you try to keep things – you want to keep things calm because when things are calm, they're safe. You, yes. don't, you make less mistakes. You're not rushing around. Uh, yeah, right? Like this is that Also, old. remember, I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's controlled chaos, right? Yeah. Like that's what everybody kind of describes the ED as. But like to say that there's no plan I think does a disservice yeah. to yeah. emergency yeah. medicine. For sure. Yeah. We always have a plan. Yeah. Sometimes a plan changes like 50 <laughs> times a day, but there's always a plan. Yeah. We know what we're doing most of the time. Yeah. I think that's the safest way to say it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but let's break down these patients because there are a bunch. So I there think the are. first one would be the lady who came in from the motor vehicle accident with leg lax, scalp lack, and then belly pain later. The lady who bled? The lady who bled, who had a scalp <laughs> laceration and they told her, oh, it's getting near the carotid artery. Yeah. Yeah, that's there's a problem with that. Yeah, I mean you're a you're a hospice doctor, and I think your your anatomy may be better than their anatomy. But uh, and that's no disrespect. Eh, it feels disrespectful, but I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not. I, I'm no surgeon either. So. It feels like that's a the carotid is a little bit deeper than what they were dealing it with. Definitely is. Yeah, that was more of a facial laceration, a superficial wound. You're not dealing with the carotid artery. No. And they were spending a lot of time trying to sew. And uh, granted, the face and the scalp in general are big sources of bleeding. And you can go into shock by losing a lot of blood there. So you, you want to close it as fast as you can. I mean, they had a uh, former surgeon, now ER doctor, sewing it, which I don't know if it means he sews faster. But that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Also, if there was a carotid laceration, she would have died. Yeah. Like, they, they, were, not, they were not moving... You know what? There wasn't enough blood. We haven't said it yet. If it was a carotid laceration, there would be more blood. Yeah, come on, man. This is this also is would be like, spraying. Yes. Like, <laughs> if you're worried about that, my first call is, hey, uh, vascular surgery. Yep. Hey, homies, I uh, I need some help. Yes. Yes, guys that are on call that that are waiting for this exact type of emergency, we have one for you. Uh, please, please get the OR ready. Yeah. Exactly. They're stable. We got we got the leg lack taken care of for now. <laughs> hey Johnny, did you like how much PPE they all had on? Uh, um, in, in that they had short sleeves and they did have gloves. That might well, be the only once they thing. picked up that blood. <laughs> once they picked yeah. up that blood. But like, if you're worried about spray, I would think you would want to wear a mask and maybe goggles or at least a a, a face mask a face with shield? a shield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the adult world is so different than ours, where have these transmissible diseases that can be pretty significant like there's there's no way in my mind that i'm sitting back and, and some some patient who's just like spurting blood everywhere like and you have no history like oh could they have hiv could they have hepatitis i don't know but you know what i don't need gloves yeah, at least I don't need at least i'm mask. doing this putting a mask on the yeah. very least yeah i mean i always wore everything even if they don't it still probably doesn't taste great <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't have the right response. <laughs> it is. It is less filling though. <laughs> mm, liquid blood sausage. Um. Mm. Wait. Okay. So, lady comes in, has the laceration. Turns out she has ovarian torsion. Well, they didn't diagnose that right away. They got look, routine blood. And we're gonna have her. to move a little bit faster. That's true. Nope. <laughs> That's true. We got like fourteen patients. Yeah. We do. 
But they they said she had an elevated lactate, said she had some kind of ischemia, did a CT scan, told that she had ovarian torsion. Yeah. Yeah, that I did just see that. And and I a lot of this whole this whole show, I'm like, did you forget how to do a uh, a trauma evaluation? Like, did you not ask a history? Did you not like most people like, hey, are you hurting? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> right. Like, I don't distrust families that much. But also, if your belly hurts and you go through the donut of truth, you're going to see an ovarian torsion probably, too. You are. You are. Yeah. You don't oh, need the ultrasound. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You don't necessarily... It's not a good way to diagnose ovarian torsion, It's the like, but it's a way. Yeah. If you use that as a way to figure it out, people are going to make fun of you. Um, should, we, should you talk about what ovarian torsion is? Because you guys had a whole weird conversation where I was like, I can't believe we're all doctors because I don't know what the, they're talking about. That's true. So go, go for it. I do know what torsion is, though. So ovarian torsion. <laughs> it's the other parts of the country. So ovarian torsion. The tor- hospice doctor knows what torsion is. <laughs> Just wanted to make that clear. Ovaries. <laughs> <laughs> so ovarian torsion basically means when it's twisted um, and you cut off the blood supply to the ovaries. And, and they kind of explained it. In the yeah, way. they did explain that part. Um, there is a dual blood supply. So sometimes if you do an ultrasound and you see what they described as a rainbow of colors. There's only it, two. Yeah. It doesn't that mean... Is, that I had a question about that because they were show, talking about so a rainbow of colors it is blue on and a red. black and yeah. white So the, what, image. what an ultrasound can show you is particles moving away or particles moving toward, and yep. it differentiates it with blue and red. Mm-hmm. And so you can get kind of different shades of it depending on the angle that they're moving away. But it's not a rainbow of colors. You yep. get... Blue and red. Blue and red. And you usually I don't think we've ever actually seen blue and red on an ultrasound on TV. No. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, and usually we'll put a Doppler on that. I hope I'm not wrong. No, no, you're right. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Um, but just because you can see flow doesn't rule out ovarian torsion either. Um because there's a dual dual. blood supply. Um and the way the way you get it is you can have a cyst and it throws the axis of the ovary off so one side's more lopsided than the other and that's what causes it to turn so if it turns enough you cut off the blood supply so if you have a cyst that's really bad um you have a mass you have a tumor or something like that that can actually cause you to get ovarian torsion yeah and and the way they they did it also i mean this is just being pedantic but they're they're shallow shallow and pedantic Ridiculous, <laughs> but they just you, you know so they they put the ultrasound probe on her on her belly and they look and see it at her ovaries and for the most part in le- you need fluid you need you need a window to be able to see those other uh, organs to actually check this and it, it's they just expect like oh yeah that's fine which I guess okay fine maybe it is. Just for time's sake, you just do it. But then, you know, I don't know. It's everything about this just frustrates me. It's really hard to see unless their bladder is really, really full. And because then there's like a backdrop essentially. No, so you use the bladder to help transmit sound waves closer to the ovaries so you can see it better. Okay. Otherwise, you'll have a lot of gas that can be from the bowel. Um, there could be tissue, and it's going to be really hard to differentiate everything. So you use the bladder but as this, a window. I mean, this would normally be transvaginal, right? Correct. Yes. If you were yes. really worried about Correct. torsion, you, would, you wouldn't be looking from the outside. You'd be trying to get the picture as close to the objects as you can. I mean, 100%. And that's why. All right, guys, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> CBS really wanted to do that, though, but they couldn't. That's CBS All Access. Yep. <laughs> Oh, that's 
Um, but then they determine she needs surgery, and they try to get the ER doctor who did a surgical residency, residency. for yep. a year. No, 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 no. He completed it. He completed it. But when they asked him, have you done OB, he goes, yeah, man, I rotated there once. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, then the, and then the other doctor goes, oh, you can do this then. Right. They, they can't find a, a qualified hospital-employed doctor who is an obstetric surgeon to do this, so they're going to have him do it. And, I, and so that's what you guys were talking about before, is that, that there's this kind of time frame window that they yeah. talk about. Um, but I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. So that's Yeah, the situation, is, as I understood it, was <laughs> that they had, oh my, thank heavens, an operating room opened up, but they were all out of surgeons. Yeah, yes. So theoretically, you want to get this done as soon as possible. You know, uh, the data is you want to get it done within six hours is the highest success rate to save this ovary. But at the same time, they make it sound like, you know, this is a bomb about to go off. Like, I feel like I'm watching an episode of 24 where it's just <laughs> ticking down and they're like, oh, no, if we don't make the six hour mark, her ovary is dead. And so is her chance of ever having a child. <laughs> and like all we were talking about when we were seeing this was, are there other hospitals in LA County that they could send this patient to? Yeah. Uh, can you turn can you turn the one of the rooms that's enclosed into an OR in or in the emergency department into an OR room? Yeah. Yeah. You There's can. so many ways to deal with can. this, and they didn't. And this is a level one trauma center. Yeah. You need to have these surgeons available within thirty minutes. Or if not in-house, actually, depending on the trauma criteria. So you need all of this stuff, and no one wants to do any of it. There's no trauma surgeons in this hospital. Yeah, it's, they, they sort of use Code Black as a, oh, we're short-staffed. But that's not what Code Black is. Code Black means they are we have too many patients. Yeah, They have plenty of doctors. And and when that happens, you get busier, and it sucks to get busy. But it's, it's not like you don't have your normal staffing. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd be like, obstetrics is closed. We can't do any obstetrics. Yeah, I, that's a very different thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I'm so, I'm so lost <laughs> on why you needed a guy, <laughs> why, why you needed the guy from Hillbilly Elegy who spent a month in Appalachia to come out and, and do the same thing. Like, oh man, I did this once. I'm yeah. gonna, I got this, yeah, guys. That's a, we were saying that's it takes a certain level of like Cockiness. arrogant narcissism to be like, I'm gonna do this, this elective procedure when I don't have to do it in a non-sterile situation without proper staffing or help. Like yeah. that is, that's a real aggressive. It, yeah. Yeah. He broke sterility like in the first two seconds of that operation. Yeah. And, and I, and I said this before, man, like I am arrogant <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a level of arrogance that I'm not going to cross. <laughs> Laparoscopy was my jam. I think was the yeah, exact yeah. words he used. Yep. Yeah. And, and clearly it wasn't because if I remember anything about laparoscopic surgery, it's that the camera comes out as late as possible so that you can make sure you didn't F anything up on the way out. Or leave like, something behind. That is 100, like the camera is almost the last thing to come out, if oh. not the last. Also, they didn't pin that ovary down, so that thing's going to twist That's going to twist right up. <laughs> didn't pin it down. Yeah. Yeah, you know what like I mean? in wrestling? Yeah. They didn't hold it down for the three count. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so the the reason like what torsion is is the ovary actually physically twists and it cuts mm -hmm. off the blood supply. I mean they even I think they even say like a hose, like a kinked hose, which is yeah. a good analogy. And so they untwist it, they get blood supply back, 
But what they don't do is like throw a little stitch in some of that tissue to keep it from twisting again, because otherwise it's going to twist again. I mean, it twisted once, and I think it's more likely to twist again if it's twisted once. It's the fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Not fool man can't get fooled again. <laughs> I was going to go with the it's the headphones phenomenon of if you've twisted your headphones cord once, it will be like that forever. It's forever twisted. Yeah. Oh. You can also have testicular torsion. There's a great episode of Venture Brothers about it. I highly recommend it. I'll add it to the oh, that sounds good. Yep. It is. That sounds good. So I'm uncomfortable already. <laughs> <laughs> so we got through one patient. All right. Let's get to patient number two, who was also in that car accident. Perfect. He passes out, and then uh, they said, before anything, they go, he has a GCS of 13. No, that he was not in the car accident. He it was just a hockey dude. player? Yeah, no, that, no. There was okay, another guy. Who are we talking about? The little chess guy who got intubated. Oh, I don't even remember this guy. Yeah, I think it was in the car. I yeah. think he was in. This okay. is the the dad, right? Yes, it's the dad. Yeah. So he yeah, like he passes. was in the car. Not the dad uh, with the blind kid. Yeah. He yeah. came in, and then everyone just goes. He has a GCS of thirteen before even asking him any questions. So they and were. Then, and then he was actually answering questions appropriately yeah. before all of a sudden he's like, Arf. yeah. So GCS is a Glasgow Coma Scale. Oh, okay. So it's just to kind of score how deep poop you are in, basically neurologically. Yeah. How, what's your mental status? So yeah, it's, it's a scale of, of being in a from being in a coma to being normal, basically, yeah. and it's a quick way to assess that at in a, in a number scale. And I don't remember what is it less than eight is bad or less less than, than eight bad. intubate. Oh wow, okay. Yep. Remember, I I don't know what I'm talking. But about. that's <laughs> but but that's that's the the known <laughs> in the hospice world. Less than we don't less do than a lot eight of is later. Yeah. <laughs> well, you seem to be doing pretty well for my patients. <laughs> but less than eight equals intubate. So, but this patient had a uh, GCS of 13. But then he passes out, and the first thing they do is, oh, we better intubate this guy. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. they did. They did. And then they they said his chest looked weird. Did he die? No, he survived at the end of the episode. He got rolled out of the hospital, apparently through to the applause. emergency department, to a, so, a round of applause. And I'm sorry, what I remember the the ER attending, like seeing the surgeon give bad news down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Who that was who the was wife. That? that was the that was wife. That was the wife and kid. Of yeah, who? of, of that, that guy. guy. Of him. This but guy. he did fine. So why I'm was she all sad? Looking? Because this was the guy who got... Oh, this show's horrible. So this is the guy who <laughs> got his chest cracked open. Oh, this is the guy that got the, the ED thoracotomy? Correct. Oh, this is the guy that should have been dead automatically. Correct. Oh. <laughs> so they intubated him, but then they said, then he woke up and grabbed someone, which makes no sense on that part. Did he? Or was that the... Nope, there was a lot of waking up and, and the so, bloody nose guy did that. So he woke up. After getting intubated and yeah. grabbed someone and then lied back down, and then they said they couldn't get his sats back up. Uh, and then they decided to crack his chest open um, and do a thoracotomy because he had a flail chest. And then the way she approached it was kind of weird, too, because she went so pretty. So a thoracotomy. A th- o- so otomy just means open up. And, and thoracotomy, or thoracot means the thoracot. No, thorax <laughs> means the thorax, so your chest. <laughs> Jackson, yeah, so like, al- so like, <laughs> so like aliens when the alien pops right out through the person's chest. This is like That's a the doctors actually. <laughs> that is, that is, that's real. Yeah, that's real. But we do that. So usually you're doing a thoracotomy for rarely ever with blunt trauma. It's usually with penetrating trauma because mm. you're trying to look for a hole to plug, um, like the episode, like and, the name of the episode. Correct. But if someone came in after a car accident. You usually don't do a thoracotomy because there's nothing to stop the bleed or to stop bleeding. Yeah, mm-hmm. this it's is just 
generalized diffuse like bruising. Right. The, yeah. This is more for penetrating trauma Correct. than it is actually for for blunt trauma. Yeah. A but the and and uh, and the, the words should be self-explanatory, but blunt meaning. Uh, you Car know, accident. You get, you get hit by an object to the chest, the abdomen somewhere versus penetrating. That's like a gunshot wound, for example. Yeah. Penetrating like something that penetrates the skin. <laughs> How about that? That was Greg Winter. Good <laughs> clarification. <laughs> so they crack the, this patient open and immediately uh, say there's no cardiac activity. Let's inject with epinephrine into the cardiac muscle. Sure. It rarely happens. Why not? Um, and then they massage the heart. Yeah. Really badly. Cardiac, cardiac massage is literally the last thing you're doing before you're going to pronounce a patient dead because you are making their heart beat. Instead of doing CPR like from the outside, you are inside their chest cavity squeezing their heart to make it beat. And the way they were squeezing was the wrong way to squeeze. Squeezing is the wrong word to use. It's You should be like kind of Pressing. pushing on, pushing on yeah. it a little bit. So usually yeah. you take yeah. the heart and you push it against the uh, chest wall. And by usually, he means a thing that almost never happens. This is not a common thing. Yeah, I, know, I know this is an audio medium, and me doing this does nothing. Yeah, yeah. Jackson's, Jackson's kind of raising, raising the roof raising a little. Yeah, I am he, raising he, the roof. He's, yeah. he's slightly raising the roof. Correct. Yeah. The roof we, is slightly higher than it was moments ago. <laughs> but the way they did it, the way they did it was just not the way to go. And then they saved him. He survived, and he walked out 10 minutes later. <laughs> that same night. That's correct. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Because that's and that's how something happens when your chest is cracked open. That actually might be the most inaccurate thing we've seen from a that, They I did say right. it was yeah. yesterday. Yeah, right. So he had 24 hours yeah, to heal. Yeah, 24 hours after having your ribs broken open, somebody taking a knife through your whole chest cavity, <laughs> pushing on with your chest and with spreaders. spreaders, you know, that seems reasonable i'm not a uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not an icu doctor you know what i'm gonna say the most inaccurate thing was when they got discharged they went through the emergency department to get out of the hospital <laughs> <laughs> we well, saw that in good doctor too during covid times well it was code black jackson <laughs> the rest of the hospital was completely full but that yeah. that would have been the most inaccurate thing i saw was when people get discharged they walk through my emergency department to get out of the hospital all of the other exits were full of patients exactly <laughs> it's exactly. code black <laughs> All right, I think that's I think that's enough making fun of that ridiculousness. I'm trying to see. Is there any more about? No, that? no, that one that was it for that. It one. was I. It was their second use of a balloon to solve a problem, which is real lazy. Yeah, can we talk about the first way they solved the yes. problem with the balloon? Um, a mountain climbing accident where a oh, kid gosh. was climbing a mountain at 2 a.m. Blind. You, he was blind. He's blind because he had retinal hemorrhages. Don't or sorry, clots. don't tell blind kids what they can and can't do. Fine. And he was so do he's so ableist. Well, here's the, well. Also, here's the other thing. 2 a.m., 10 a.m. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the time, He's blind. time is irrelevant. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, no, they have that drug for the for, for people who, so that what? they can uh, sort out time and go to sleep. The he, daredevil drug? <laughs> <laughs> they did say that he can see shapes, but also, who cares? He's a kid. He's climbing. The thing is... Mountain shape? <laughs> but... The thing that matters is the fact that he's a kid who's on blood thinners, which means you shouldn't be doing stuff where you can fall a significant fall and land well, on rocks. Well, you just gave Jackson crap for you know not letting the kid live his life. <laughs> Let the man climb. Do you know, my basically my entire job Let is him. stopping my patients' aspirin that they refuse <laughs> to stop. Like you're falling every single day. You are covered head to toe in bruises. You're going to have a brain bleed well, from your aspirin. He's going to walk it off. It's fine. I mean, I don't really understand why he had retinal hemorrhages at four years old. And this kid like looks like a fully formed 
man yeah. who's still <laughs> who's still on blood thinners yeah. for what? I mean, I also, don't I don't know. Also, part of my job is stopping these long term chronic meds that no one else has addressed. I mean, he probably doesn't need to be on blood thinners anymore. Yeah. Maybe he's been on this since four, and nobody he hasn't seen a doctor since yeah, then. It's entirely possible. It it's really it's easier to get coumadin than it is to get insurance <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, that's sad. But they bring him in because he had um, a nosebleed. He had like. A decent amount of nose bleeding. Um, but but so weren't they climbing at some mountain, some yeah. far away? Yeah. So this is again another. Better get to LA. This is another <laughs> issue. Like, so I don't, I don't know any mountains that are that close to LA. Um, there are hospitals that can be that Closer. you would go to. Like, if you were having a significant hemorrhage, you wouldn't be like, you know, let let's say you're, uh, I don't know, at Big Bear or Mountain High or something like that. Your first stop wouldn't be like. Big hey, Bear Hospital, actually. Hey, that would uh, be your first stop. Exactly. <laughs> they they would, where should you go? There's a place that's two hours away. Yep. yep. That one. But please. it's so close to home. <laughs> like I, this, this is sort of my nightmare scenario. I used to do urgent care, and when people came in with just intractable nosebleeds, like, well, what do you like? Put some like put something in your nose. I hope it stops. But nobody does anything. No. Nosebleeds annoy the crap out of me because people come in with that stuff. And they're like, hey, um, hey, what have you tried? And they're like, oh, uh, I put ice on his forehead. Nothing. <laughs> I remember. I, I remember that. Ice on the forehead. That was a real thing you experienced constantly. Because they believe that if you put ice on the forehead, it will constrict the blood vessels from your brain, so that way you don't bleed from your nose anymore. Maybe. Nope. Man, we need health education real bad. Yeah. Or they pinch like the bridge of the nose, where there's absolutely no way to stop the bleed from there. I. Like, <laughs> you look frustrated. I mean, we, you know, like we're so good at Googling garbage. And <laughs> and you think the first thing that you would Google is like, I don't know what to do, guys. And like, just Google it. Just Google it. <laughs> How do I stop a nosebleed? I don't know what to do, guys, about my nosebleed is the number one search <laughs> that comes up. Was that the, the most in 2020? Yes. Yeah. I think so. I think so. But he has a nosebleed, and then the first thing that lady or the lady doctor goes is, I can't figure out how to stop the bleeding. We better intubate. Yeah, that patient got intubated. Seems reasonable. Yeah. And but what do you what do you, I, I don't what I don't understand is like, is he hypoxic? No. His his blood pressure was dropping. Also, a thing they did well in this show is back up what they were saying with the monitor. Um, with the monitors that were in the background. Like also having monitors in the background. Oh right. Also having monitors in the background is a good I learned thing. that. No, no, is, they had a couple. They had a couple. They did. I know, but that's yeah, like normally that's something they did well. That's not a thing. Yeah. Normally they just So what I learned from Or the or the pulse will be steady and they're like, This patient is crashing. Well that's the thing is I think the, they will they were good at showing the monitor and being like, Oh, this patient's uh their blood oxygen is going down, it's eighty four. And you'd see the heart rate and it'd be like one ten. Like you're telling me this patient has hemorrhaged so much yeah, that, is oxygen that their oxygen saturation is now significantly low, but their heart rate is normal. Well, blind people don't uh, compensate with their heart rate. I'm so, so sorry. I forget so about that. It's, it's yeah. non-24. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't mean that. Uh, <laughs> sorry to all blind people. But can we talk about how they plug said hole? <laughs> they plug said hole. I'm going to see if I remember it correctly. Uh, using a urinary catheter that they just like pumped up with coffee. Didn't I did they not hear that about didn't the coffee. They, I did didn't not they hear that. Oh yeah, that's that's why yep, I was. You're right. Yeah, coffee. it was a bowl like, of coffee. So, so to make sure a urinary catheter stays in, you feed the tube through the urethra, and then you you fill up the. There's like a little balloon on the end, so yeah. that you can't pull it out. Yeah. So that it sits there properly. So 
imagine if someone like poured hot coffee into your nose. I mean, it's contained, so it's not spilling through your entire. But like, that's there's so many other pieces yeah, put, of liquid around they yeah. could have used. Why did you pick? Yeah, coffee? didn't they, didn't they put coffee grounds in there? <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think they're trying to show like in the ER you have to be flexible and you have to think outside of the box. But that that is, degrades that the is balloon. Not. Yeah, maybe maybe like forty years ago, like maybe if I were in like rural Antarctica, if you need, if you ever need a uh, saline syringe, there's one in every ER room. Yes. Like you just you can grab them; they're there. I don't know why they went with the cup of coffee. Also, most Foley kits have right. <laughs> That's it's in the Foley kit. Yeah. It's there. There's a balloon. <laughs> but there, there are like less intrusive things that you could have done to stop that. Well, you can put a you, tampon in. They also, you know, could have pinched his nose. That was a place to start. Yeah, like, why, that could have been a thing why start, to start with. Why start with normal things when you could be when like, let's intubate. find the most yeah. intense thing that we could do. You guys, let's intubate I, everyone. <laughs> I mean, when when you have a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail. We're not <laughs> surgeons or orthopedic surgeons. Yeah, but... ER we do. They do, do like. They do, do like, like, like to intubate. Yeah. Yeah. Air, like airway to seems like it's crumbling. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, their pulse ox is ninety one. I uh, better intubate. But I guess you know you, you. The one time you don't do it and something bad happens, it's like uh, I'll intubate. It's yeah. fine. I do like I'd I'd rather err on the side of caution. I do. I do like to intubate. Yeah. I, I always make fun of one of my former uh, co fellows, who we would just joke all the time that if they had an opportunity to intubate, he'd be like, "Hey man, fractured ankle, intubate. Just do it. Just do it." <laughs> We need practice. Like, yeah. oh, man. Love that. <laughs> I love tubing. Maybe that's why there's so much uh, litigious medicine going on. <laughs> uh, oh, that, that would be a good segue to the hockey player. <laughs> oh, jeez. With litigious stuff. We yeah. are almost we're, – we're three patients away from finishing. All right, we got this. We patients. got this. Um, yeah, we, but this is the, the third big patient. It, it, is one, it, it is one of the bigger patients for sure. Um, he comes in because he was found unconscious at the gym. They told him he had a GCS of 13. Everyone has a GCS of 13. Yeah, yeah also, if you're found unconscious, you don't have a GCS of 13. No. It's, if you're he unresponsive. Was, <laughs> and he said he was working out hard. Um, he wanted to leave, and the doctor told him that he has to stay. Yeah. And all uh, of us. I, specifically, it was uh, we can't let you leave until we've done a basic exam. Basically, saying everyone that walks in has a seventy-two hour hold. Yeah. All of us immediately said, "No, you don't." Yeah, that's uh, that's not how this works in adults. An adult can go whenever they want. Yeah. There's a there's one there's one scenario where we can hold you. If we feel that you are a safety threat to yourself or other people, we can put you on a psychiatric hold, which is a whole own thing that you have to do. And it's a big deal and it doesn't happen very much. There is like sort of the common sense of like, Hey man, you shouldn't leave. Uh, or at least before you leave, let us finish up this testing. And often you can kind of talk people yeah. into staying, but if somebody wants to leave, they can leave. There's no, like the hospital is not a prison. No. So, yeah, that, I mean, I think that's a that's a good description for sure. You should be able most, but most patients are reasonable, and you can discuss. I would say ninety five percent of my patients, I can convince. Yeah, and them I mean, to it, stay. I think there's a lot of fear and a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you're in a scenario where a lot of stuff is out of your control, and that's often a very human response to be like, "I'm getting out of here." And reasonable doctors and nurses will convince you to stay, but you definitely do not have to stay there. And when people leave against medical advice, we like 
we chart that. Hey, told them to stay. They left. And then when bad things happen and they try to sue you later, you're like, I said very clearly. <laughs> right. That was yeah. a joke during residency yeah. that we were going to make buttons that said, AMA, ask me how. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty good. Uh, the The implication here was that literally anyone who came into the, uh, into the hospital was a risk to themselves because they might be ill or injured and so had to be kept and examined. Mm-hmm. There's an, And there was another thing that they said about, oh, like uh, anybody with a foreign object can't leave the hospital. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a different page. We'll, we'll get to that garbage. Yeah. I mean, it fits <laughs> right now. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's I, what she I, said, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I have never kept someone until they pooped out whatever they saw. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's some weird L.A. County thing. I don't I don't know. That's look at, just strange. Look at you giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you really like this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've never had to keep someone until they pass their coins. Nor did I have a countdown on the whiteboard of how much money said lady swallowed and then crossed off or subtracted. I'm, I'm going to say that they knew how much she ate, right. and so they were making sure. Yeah, but you wouldn't know they that. It. You like, wouldn't that, know. That's a. That's another pretty ballsy call to be like, ah, I can see all the coins in the x-ray. She definitely can't leave until she passes it's also this pretty... much amount of money. No, no, the... no. She was like, hey, man, I had $4.37. <laughs> and it was one of those crazy math problems from back in the day. And one of them coins. is not a nickel. <laughs> Hold on. One of them could have been Canadian money. And we don't know that. And it's pretty ethnocentric of us uh, to assume that this is all American curse. I mean, that's the problem is... There are things that happen where someone's life is not in immediate danger, and so they can potentially leave the ER. Some of them have to get admitted to the hospital, but people leave with precautions about what's going to happen next. Like, yeah. hey, you're going to pass some of these coins. It's going to hurt. If you have a, you know, if you start to have bleeding or something, come back or follow up with your doctor. It, it to say like you can't leave until everything is figured out. Like we we don't figure shit out all the time. Stuff out. Yeah, it's so it <laughs> stuff. Uh, it's so paternalistic and so irresponsible. That I, this is one of those. Maybe it's from twenty years ago, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Good. It's very true. Very true. I'm really trying to give it the benefit I mean, of the doubt. I'm really trying. But see, yeah, this is why I'm so for bitcoins. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't swallow it. Because you can't you can swallow, swallow your hard wallet, Bitcoin. though. You could. This is uh, this brought up like sort of a big TV thing for me. Like if some if somebody on TV is telling you something about a profession. And it's like laying it down like gospel. It's probably not true. Yeah. Like cops don't have to tell you that they're cops. Like, please know that. That's a thing that people think. (laughs) You can leave the hospital whenever you want to. It's not a prison. We'll make you sign something, though. We will try to make you sign something. They may not sign. They might not sign. I mean, yeah. There's any, I feel like absolutism is a problem. Yes. That should, always. If you've always ever taken a, a test <laughs> yeah. in your in your life, you should probably be scared about absolutes because the, the right answer yeah. in anything in life or most things in life is not yes. That come is o- always the truth. Come over to the gray. It's nice over here. There's a lot of fun people in the gray. You know who's not nice and fun? The doctor. <laughs> Way <laughs> to bring it back. I know. I try. <laughs> I'm trying to loop this back, but the doctor with the right. hockey player wants something to be struck in from the record. Yeah, so what happened was before the doctor Time out, showed Johnny. Up, I'm sorry. Strucken? Uh, Strucken? Okay. It's a, it's a New Mexico thing. <laughs> removed. Removed from the record. Um, so the uh, 
the resident who was was a big fan of this hockey player who came in with the uh, having passed out at the gym and took a look at his tongue and determined that he had a seizure because he had bitten his tongue. Yep. I, yep. I mean, that's a pretty aggressive call because it could mean a million other things. What he should have done is look at his pants to see if he had urinated in them because often when people have seizures, they lose control of their bladder. And that's that's a better telltale sign than if they would have bitten their tongue. Because and, and if this happened at the gym, unless someone would four o'clock in the morning, someone would have been like, "Hey, yeah, by that guy, by the way, that guy was shaking and not responsive." And hold on, Scott, it's Saturday in L.A. No one's at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> They're all partying. Ugh, very true. It's L.A. Everyone, the gi- every gym is filled every time of day. Come on, man. He was at like Equinox or something like that. <laughs> you know, you know this guy. Uh, I was like, I was trying to get my leg rotation in and he was shaking on the machine. I couldn't get him off. <laughs> I missed two sets. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> also, no, you brought this up earlier, Greg. It's like uh, the guy was not postictal, meaning he did not act like he just had a seizure, right. which like if you just had a seizure, you're probably not going to be back to your complete normal no, self. No. Within five minutes, you're not going to be in the ambulance being like, yeah, I'm, I'm good, guys. Let me go. I want to go play a hockey game. Put me in, coach. And, and that's a, like also it's hard to fake a seizure because of things like this. People try to fake seizures all the time because it's a big deal. And, and if you are if you're in a situation where you don't know what to do, you sort of have to address it. But there's I mean, there are easy ways to tell. Is this actually a seizure or is this a pseudo seizure, which is I mean, adults don't really do pseudo. Eh, some of them do, oh, but no. I feel like it's bigger in peds. Psychogenic non-epileptic seizure. That would be the correct term. Penis. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? Penis. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they didn't change the acronym into penis. Yeah, yeah. It's a, penis is a problematic acronym. But I'm, I'm happy they did. It means somebody has a sense of humor. But we all know how to... I think the BS monitor for all of us, or the BS detector pretty high what we can tell when someone's faking a seizure yes yes there's many many ways i mean the main like one of those main things is like somebody who has a seizure and then suddenly is like yeah i just had a seizure like yeah that doesn't happen you're when you have a seizure all of your your neurons are all firing your muscle if you're having a you get real seizure, you get real i mean like your body's working hard you don't suddenly just snap back to normal It's like when so it's same thing when somebody gets knocked out in a movie and then they're so they like wake up they're like all right put me back in coach like nah <laughs> no, that's that's not how that works no. but this patient starts seizing again mm. after his team doctor told him that having seizures shouldn't be on his chart um, told he had parenchymal hemorrhages all from the concussions and he was told that he was gonna die if he gets another hem- uh, concussion yeah that's one of those things that kills me about medical shows or medicine in real life. This goes into that absolutism. Please stop. Just, just stop. Right. Don't, don't, don't tell somebody like if this happens again, you'll die. It's like, it's like the, the with the cancer patients. Like I was told I was gonna die. I only had three, three months, months left. left. I was just, I literally was just gonna bring that up. I mean, like, I come get, on, man. We get that all the time, and 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 it really messes with people when when that expectation isn't met. And it's and there was no reason to say it in the first place, right? None. You you could have picked any other way to say that. And I think part part of it is doctors are used to are used to having the answers, and then when they don't have an answer, they're they would rather make something up and that sounds good than admit that there's some gray area in yeah. it. 
Come over to the gray. Come on. But this this is the emergency medicine part of things. Is for for me when I think of things is like you know what. I'm not committing to anything. Right. <laughs> that ain't happening. You, you know, you can't get me to commit. Like, like it's, are you sure it's cancer? Well, you know what? Let me, I'm going to have you talk to the specialist really quick. Exactly. And then just to make sure. Are you sure? Uh, likely. Yeah. You have 12 hours yeah. until you see the neurologist. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I did, the last thing I had a problem with this patient was that, why was he just hanging out in the ambulance bay? The, 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 the seizure patient. Like at, at the very end? Yeah. We can't, like, no, no they, one hangs out in that bay. That's where everyone goes to smoke. Yeah. But not patients. That's what I, I thought he was going to bust out a cigarette. And, <laughs> and the they doctor were gonna was going to go out and be like, yeah, man. Yo, you also can never smoke again or you'll die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the, I mean, the only other thing that came out with that is when the, uh, when the guy's doctor or whatever the heck came in there and was like, I need to speak to the doctor. And the resident comes in and goes, who the hell is this? Not going to lie, but I have never cursed at a family member, a patient, uh, pretty much anybody in the hospital, because maybe this isn't Wall Street, but <laughs> I, I'll probably get know, rung up yeah. by administration. Yeah, doctors generally try to be professional, yeah. at least some level of professional. Also, yeah. getting assaulted by a patient is an un unfortunately a very common thing in certain emergency departments. Too. Oh, yeah. This yeah. was this resident's second day. That's you know what that's right. This is like their first shift. This is trial by fire for realsies. Yeah, yeah. I would not leave my resident by themselves if it's their first day in the emergency. Because program. you don't know anything. They're yeah. just starting residency. They don't know anything. They're not ready for this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Am I the only one who's sad that that doctor wasn't played by Kurt Fuller? Who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? He's he's the guy from Evil and Bloodsport oh, that uh. always plays the dick. Uh. Yeah. 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 I'm yes, sorry, no part. Fires, I know what you. I'm sorry. I'm sad that I don't recognize his name because from that last he would have been so perfect, like so perfect, so perfect for Do that. Doctor Every Show. He just looks so smarmy and exact. He looks like he would be saying that type of stuff. Smarmy, yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're on the home stretch. It's the final patient. No, we're not on the home stretch. No, I got, I got ten other things I wrote oh. down. <laughs> One last question about this patient in absolutes. Yeah. Does that mean that Homer Simpson could have conceivably taken three or four more cannonballs to the stomach? <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You never know. You can't. It's I've easy. learned something today, guys. It's easy to say something like that. <laughs> to be fair, before his final cannonball that he dodged, it started rumbling a lot. His belly was real sad. <laughs> Maybe he was hungry. That's true. That he guy's, always hungry. That guy's guitar is talking. <laughs> Peter you, Frampton was real upset about that. When you think that. class rings, think Johnstons. Yes. So Johnstons. <laughs> I really like that episode. I don't it's know why. It's a good episode. A, I mean, Homer Simpson smiling politely. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, final patient. Some construction worker comes in with neck pain and back pain. The girl doctor says because he was waiting in the waiting room for 10 hours. The girl doctor nothing. is also known as doctor. The doctor says. You don't have well, to specify gender. Fine. <laughs> I mean, skinny I doctor, don't, fat I don't, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see gender. She says uh, it was nothing and wanted to get Percocet and then discharge him home. The fat doctor said that he thinks oh, it's something. Oh, no. Else. Oh, really? That doesn't make it That's better, Jackson. <laughs> I think you can send those complaints to Jackson. Uh, <laughs> Not good. But he thinks he thinks it's vascular. Um, so rip-roaring chest pain that radiates to the back is one of those things. 
that you hear in buzzwords when we're taking our boards that you should always think of like an aortic dissection or something like that. Yeah, I and I would suspect that like because of because they are so fresh out of med school and boards, like that's what everyone would be thinking. And right? to you be would, fair, she even said that like you're thinking zebras, it's just a horse. I put that in the presentation once. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. It yeah, I get, I get it. I understand that you have that kind of those two different philosophies there where, you know, is this something that's common or is this something super rare? But I feel like the thing that they love to present and even in real life is that there's always little data points that point you to a particular presentation. Like, you know, this is out of the pain is out of proportion. This does just not make sense for a muscular injury. And Actually, I thought they handled this well because the, the guy makes, he kind of makes a case for it. Like, this doesn't make sense for how for who this person right, is, yes. and and I mean one of the biggest the biggest thing about train be, training to become a doctor is learning that the history is what matters, right? Exactly. You can have all this data and whatever, but it there's a story behind it, and the story behind it is what explains what happens, and so this the the resident is able to come up with something that makes sense, whereas the answer that he's that the other resident is giving that the answer that girl doctor is giving doesn't fit the story right even though she wants it to right yes. and so and also like you can i i get lazy like long day i would much rather this be musculoskeletal pain than a dissecting aortic Correct. aneurysm yeah no yeah but that doesn't make it happen <laughs> yeah but the, the the other thing which i mean we we kind of touched on briefly and uh, if we want to touch on it but you know in this patient this is a this is an african-american man uh and oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you're, oh. Well, you're welcome but this is an african-american man just like African-American woman who came in with yeah. had torsion and these were uh, the torsion woman they wanted to deal with very, very quickly. But this man, they tried, they essentially tried to downplay very, very, um, very much. And I think this is something that I, I don't think the show is going for this, but I think in real life, it happens. It, 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 I mean, it's something that we like really have to be cognizant of because this in this show, again, if they didn't do it on purpose, okay. Uh, but they did a good job of describing how things actually happen in real life. Where yeah. you're like, ah, this is fine. Yeah, kind of. Blows it's, it it's, off. it's. Um, I I am from a mixed family. I I am half black and half white, and and so there are these things that come up where then I when I try to explain them in a in a medical setting, people like don't even believe what I'm saying, and it's one of those things. Like to this day, there are still studies where. The physicians that treat you think that based on the color of your skin, you have different pain tolerance. Yep. Like that's mm-hmm. a real thing. The, a lady just died not so long. Yeah, a physician, a just doctor. Died so long yeah. She was a doctor. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, so that's it's that's real stuff. That's the bias happening. is still there. Yeah, I a don't. Lot of I also don't think the show is going for that. I don't think the show no. is smart enough to go for it. No, <laughs> no, because they had that patient going quote unquote sideways in the CT scan, yeah. and then having the worst seizures I've seen on TV. By worse, you don't mean this is the most severe seizure I've seen on TV, do you? No. <laughs> no, I do not. But they also You mean tried... that looked awful. That looked awful. And they also tried to put a C- uh, central line in the CT scanner. Yeah, there was a lot wrong with this patient. If you, if you really thought that this patient was having a dissection, um, it, it's not something that you would sit and wait. Yeah sort out this is and that's something that the the um again I, I'm, I'm forgetting her title the the boss doctor yeah yep. um uh the the lead of training or whatever said like 
in not a great way of if your instincts say one thing, you can't wait for a scalpel or a machine. You kind of need I mean, a you have to wait for something. I'm you also going to say you kind of need a scalpel to do the central line. Yeah. Um, I, what, I think what she's saying, saying trust, she was saying trust yeah. your gut rather than going for the, and, di- and the actually, diagnostics. They talked a little like uh, Louise Guzman in, in his pep talk kind of <laughs> talked a little bit about it. Whereas, you know, you are part of a team and your job will be easier if you're in a collaborative environment instead of one where things are getting shut down. I mean, like, it's OK to be wrong. Yeah. But I think as a but I think residents don't feel that right. You you are constantly challenged on what do you know what is this thing what do you do next and you are often ridiculed if you don't have the right answer but actually critical thinking is important and and you're going to be wrong some of those times because you're i mean you've got to gather data and and figure things out right um and and that's but that's that's training i mean i I think that's where they're in training right the whole point is like we're not necessarily teaching you facts. The whole point is like we're teaching you how to how to think through all that information you have. It's like a super weird job. You can't book study it. You have like look at all the crazy stuff that's happening. Yeah, yeah. You're the one. You're the one who ha- like especially in the emergency department, right? Undi- undifferentiated, whatever. You figure out what's going on. Yeah. Could it be something crazy? Absolutely. You're the first one to figure out what the hell is going on. Basically. Yeah, and that means sometimes that. We do more than we should, yeah. or sometimes we do less than we should. Yeah, we're always working on some kind of hypothesis, and then someone else verifies if we're right or wrong. Yeah, they get to be the heroes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember this lady came into urgent care once, and like her kid, her kid was having trouble breathing. It was fine. I like gave him asthma treatments, and then they came in the next day and brought wine to the other doctor because that's their primary doctor that they saw. And I was just like, Oh, uh. <laughs> uh, where's my thing? Wow. I mean, it's fine. I, you got the satisfaction of a job well done. I oh. mean, they were happy. You know what? Their happiness. Can't get drunk off satisfaction. Their happiness was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. The last thing I just want to mention about this is the ultrasound, doing the pericardiosynthesis. <sighs> yeah. Go so for it. Pericardiosynthesis is basically when you put a needle into their heart to drain the fluid around the heart. Did they explain how he got a pericardiosynthesis? No. Or sorry, a uh, uh, cardiac tamponade? No. No. He just went from his aorta was dissecting to he has a pud- or a pocket of blood around his heart. Yep. Yep. The ultrasound, when you do a needle introducing into the heart, never looks that clear. No, they, they made that look real nice. Real, you couldn't real miss it. Like Normally, ultrasound is just weird blood. It looks like a Rorschach test. You really have to do it a lot. to. Can't, like, can't you tell that gray fuzz looks like doing. that gray fuzz? Yeah, that no. gray fuzz is gray fuzz. Yeah, like if ultrasound was that clear, man, like my I mom would be an ultrasound tech. Yeah. <laughs> is a cardiac tamponade as common in real life as it is on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it is very rare. I think I've only done one pericardiosynthesis in my entire career. This is the third episode where that term has come up. Yeah, wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. Uh, no, it's for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's super, super rare. I've done one. It's super scary. Like so, so I, I think the differentiation though is how many times have you seen pericardial tamponade where you've actually had physiologic changes where you have to intervene that's emergent, the, that's the emergently? I'm sorry, Padme Amidala died. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> of a broken heart. That's different. Yeah. Wow. She had Takasubos. Um, yeah. That's actually what we said. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, you definitely see people with pericardial effusions, and maybe they have some mild physiology, but there are. Uh, Jackson is more privileged than I am. I don't think I've ever had to emergently do a pericardiocentesis, stick a needle in so in the space between the heart and the and the and the area around the heart to to save their life. I, I mean, man, that is maybe an adult. I don't know. Maybe in Chicago. Maybe on Chicago Med. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find that out soon. <laughs> it's all those kielbasa, man. <laughs> no, it's Polish sausage. Come on, sausage. Okay. But I don't I, – I mean, that was a lot of patients we just covered. I don't know if anyone else has other things to touch on. Greg? I mean, that was a I, lot of patients. I think one of the things that was frustrating was when the um, attending and the resident had this very intense personal conversation just in the middle of, of the ER. Like, that's – You mean where she was like, you don't know me? Right. And then she walked away? Yeah. yeah. It, that was real, real TV drama-y. Like this is where this is where with these medical shows, like I don't understand, is there's enough drama to go right. around. Yeah. Exactly. You don't have to trump it up to be, to have this like, yeah, I lost a child once too. Don't talk to me about this. But yeah, uh, this this one, I think when we watched it, there was a lot of anger pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, um, you were texting me about it and saying there's so much anger, and I thought you meant on the television, but no, you meant of, between the three doctors a, that were in the room. There was a lot of yelling. You know you know what I was surprised about this episode? There was not enough sexual tension. There was only that one that one moment where the two doctors were, like, making flirty eyes and being not, like, hey, baby. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden surgeon? it stopped. You I mean, thought they were just going to, like, get it on in the uh, in the surgical suite. I mean, not what, a surgeon and Not a surgeon and uh, ovary saver? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't we have no idea what the characters names are. Yeah, yeah. Normally I've got notes on this and I did take them and I still have no idea what <laughs> there, was, there was too many people who. in that emergency department to really keep you track. You know, there was only one person that mattered. <laughs> and it was Louise Guzman. You got it. Exactly. Also, I want to see being Louise Guzman in the style of being John. Oh Novich. wow. Yeah, that would be great. Oh. Nah. Guzman, 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 Guzman. <laughs> Guzman, Guzman, Guzman. <laughs> I just I just want to go watch back and Go see that Kenny Monte Cristo again. He's uh, he's pretty fantastic. Oh my god, he's just pretty fantastic yeah, overall. Yeah, yep. Um, um I I want to say something that I think the show did right. Um, hmm. and I want to find out if I'm wrong in this. I feel like it did better than Scrubs in as things were happening. The uh, attendings and the fellows were saying, "This is what I'm doing, and here's why." Oh, Johnny, Here's what I wrote that down for. as a thing that showed good medicine because this is a teaching hospital, right? In fact, it's such a teaching hospital that the trauma bays have viewing <laughs> windows from above. Don't want to get into that. I, but that's like in, in a teaching setting, if you're going to show someone how to do something, you have to explain what you're doing. And also when this is happening in, in real life, you are – a good attending is telling you about risks of a procedure, about possible complications, about things to look out for. Like, also in the same high, like, good attendings are great because they are doing all that stuff and they're also doing the thing that they're showing you. While I mean, you know, life and death is potentially in the balance. I'm gonna point at my teaching award. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I refuse to acknowledge Jackson's <laughs> teaching award. Kudos. Ah. Um. But that's that is a really important part of what medicine is. Like, there's you study a lot of stuff, but 
that also doesn't mean you can it doesn't mean you can perform during that time and it also definitely doesn't mean you can explain it and teach during the time that it's happening too so i i thought that was a really good thing that they did yeah i'll agree with that yeah um dr cox teaches jd a lot about how to live life but not a lot out of like in the rooms itself it feels like in comparison no he pimps everybody yeah, I mean he's old. He's old school. Yeah. That 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 philosophy about teaching is it's it's is, gone by the wayside. Yeah. For those who didn't hear season one, what is pimping? Uh, put in my place. So it's basically asking questions out of the blue sometimes and trying to get your resident or learning to answer it quickly. It's, I think the goal, like. As a resident, you're trying to show everything that you know, and I think pimping started as a way to test someone's knowledge, but it really became a way to show that you know more than that resident. Like, I'm the attending. Lightning so round. I will, f I will get you to a point where you don't know an answer, and that's not a helpful way to teach. Yeah, right? it's it's a very it's a kind of hierarchical. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a very bean dad way of teaching medicine. <laughs> Dad. Oh yeah, yeah. Good, good reference. That guy's a total d bag. <laughs> oh, oh, I do know Bean Dad now. That just happened. Yeah, we're Ken very, Jennings. That we're very is, topical. Right yeah, yeah. Now. Never gonna be on Jeopardy ever again. Lavar Barton, baby. Oh, I hope so. I can't wait to uh, until the episode where I play against Ken Jennings comes out. All right. Um. So with that, guys, I do have an important question to ask. Yep. The human centipede bills itself as one hundred percent medically accurate. Mm. If that's the case. And if that's our baseline, how medically accurate is season one, episode two of uh, Code Black, We Plug Holes? I, I can go because I have a formulated answer, I guess. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of stuff to nitpick about this, but it feels it feels more accurate. There's a lot of dumb things that happen that could have been um, solved with a better medical consultant. If anybody needs one, I will I will help. Uh, <laughs> this whole podcast, right? Five three zero doctor. But also, um, uh, like Scott was saying, if you look, if you look at this as like a um, a piece in time, like, eh, yeah, that's there's a lot of stuff that probably would have happened in a similar fashion. Um, so I would say, I, I mean, definitely more accurate than Human Centipede. I would say maybe one one. 73 i'm gonna say just to be annoying so high <laughs> wow i'm going the because human centipede isn't medically accurate <laughs> that's a lie i mean it's kind of <laughs> but is it a hundred percent medically accurate it's no. our baseline though right which i understand yeah. i understand the rating system i do it now you got it yeah <laughs> took a little time there though i i'm gonna go low only because there were a lot of things that were so dramatic that it kind of made things. Also, I don't work in the ER, so. That's true. Um, having an ER resident who is uncir unsupervised. Which, I'm sorry, who is uncircumcised? Is that what you were about unsupervised. to Unsupervised. It's very, very common these very days. Common. <laughs> now that is a callback. <laughs> no, that's a callback. Um, but having an ER resident who was a surgeon doing surgery without privileges no one wearing PPE, um, doing very outlandish things really quickly and not in an unsafe way, that stuff kind of adds up a little bit. And that makes me feel like it's a little less accurate than Human Centipede. I, yeah, the, I, you're right. The drama part of it is nonsense, but the medical parts of it feel pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, I think eighty percent. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna exclude that surgeon. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that that emergency medicine resident doing a going to surgery. If you exclude that, I'd probably give it a one oh three. But with if you include that, it might be close to zero <laughs> because they're not not just medical legally, but from a standpoint of your experience. I don't care who it is. You know, if there's a psychiatrist who's like, yeah, I did a year of residency and <laughs> surgery, you know, you're just, you're not going to do surgery. That, that, that whole scenario was absolutely ridiculous. But I think despite that, I'll, I'll give it to you. I agree with you. I agree that it was, I think for the most part, medically a- accurate with uh, a bit of over dramatization. Give me a number. With, with the fact that there was a hobbies, hobbyist surgeon. Yeah. That yeah, happened well, to be there. I'll, I'll go 103. 103. That's pretty good. I feel like more than other medical dramas we've watched, this show meant well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it yeah. it wasn't trying to, uh, like Scott said, uh, there weren't, um, there was nobody making out in, uh, in a utility closet. There was no, um, your, I mean, like give said, me your gun enough, and your badge moment. drama that's happening. Like, yeah. Yeah. You don't need to add like, weird personal stories. I will say it's not like when we watched Chicago Med, it felt real cynical. Yeah, right? I, this felt mm-hmm. this felt more real that they were just try- there was so much going on. They were trying to deal with all the patients that were there and they were trying to do the best that they could for the patients and leaving out some of the personal dramatic garbage that you see in a lot of these medical TV yep. shows to try and make it more interesting. Still Which is why it only made it three seasons. Yes. <laughs> only, only three. Uh, we 32 st- episodes each. We also still have not touched on like the holy grail of dramatic medical shows yet. What's that? Er. Grey's Anatomy. Wait, oh, have you touched on Er? We have not done Er either. Why, haven't we, done, why haven't we done Nurses? Oh, we are. Because... I have, I have. Are you sure you want to touch that yeah, one? Yeah, I'm not. I will not be present for that. <laughs> I, ha- I, ha- I, I have. I love all of my nurses equally. I have. I and have. They're some, all my favorite. They are the greatest. <laughs> I have some friends that are willing to to do this. Nurse one. friends. Yep. Oh. Okay. Oh. Oh. Then I'd like to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this oh. could be the first one where we have a live audience, and it's just going to be all the doctors that are uh, have been on the show previously <laughs> that don't want to talk about about the show I, nurses. I will never. But want to hear what nurses have to say. I will never talk shit on nurses. Nope. Um, I will say that um, when I did my when I did my fellowship, um, I had a patient who used to work in uh, Denver's public health clinic or public health hospital, which I cannot remember what it's called. I wrote it down. A Denver General Hospital, and there's a book called The Knife and Gun Club, which basically like follows people through a day at at Denver General. It's an excellent book. It's on eBay. It's like $11. It's totally worth it if this is something that you're interested in and to see sort of what it's like to be kind of thrown into just anything can happen sort of chaos. Uh, chaos. Yeah. Link in the show notes because I'm going to buy that and it sounds fantastic. Yeah. And I would also say that the Trauma Bay did have enough blood in it. Until they mopped it up. I mean, that was... The Trauma Bay did. The person who cut her face didn't. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, is there anything you would change to keep to make the show more medically accurate while keeping the dramatic stakes high, other than um, doctor who probably would not have been a doctor? Fire the surgeon in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Or actually bring him up to like the medical legal board. Like you let him do surgery. He's not like 
supported to do all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think the drama. I think the, I think the biggest thing for me is is more so the reality of just just because your hospital is overwhelmed. I think Rick said this before. Is there are subspecialists that are on call, and when you call them to come in for for consultations, they they come in. And if for some reason your operating rooms are overcapacitated or you don't have staff or they're down for whatever reason, then the answer isn't let's do some unlicensed surgery. The, the, the medically accurate answer is then we need to transfer them to a facility that has the ability to yeah. treat the patient. Yeah. I would agree I'm trying to figure out what city would be a accurate, okay, this is a ICU would that, or I'm sorry, an emergency room that would be this intense all the time and also would have no other hospitals around it. So think like, about rural states. Yeah, like Des Moines. Des Moines, even like El Paso to a certain extent, because yes, they're a big city, but they but might Texas not have all the resources. Huge. Yeah, so they would send them to other places in Texas or even New Mexico, because that was an issue that we had. Yep. where there were people that were sick in El Paso that would get sent to New Mexico. And that is not like a short trip. That is a several-hour helicopter ride or even fixed wing, like at least one to two hours. So there are situations where that is an, uh, an issue, but definitely not in L.A. County. And, and they would do that before saying, okay, uh, you're in, kid, as far as surgery goes. percent Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. They cover this better on True Stories in the ER or Untold Stories of the ER. There's yeah. always transfers. Yeah. Because everyone, every single ER doctor on that show works in the boonies. Yeah. Every single one. I hate that show. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can figure out the answer like five minutes in. I'm like, it's obviously this. You know, Johnny, the other, the other thing that I actually liked um, speaking about the, the teaching point of it is that, you know, the, the guy does that surgery and is unrealistic as the situation was to do it right part of that is he hands over the controls to someone who has not done it which is how you are going to show somebody something and then when something went wrong he wasn't like what did you do oh no he was like nope don't worry it's my fault i must have done something like i like mm -hmm. those are sort of the hallmarks of good teaching and and good medicine where it's you know you are you are in a team setting and if you are the responsible person he is the surgeon then it's his responsibility. No matter what goes wrong, it's his responsibility. Even if he made a bad call letting somebody do something. Yeah, yeah. surprisingly mm -hmm. good. Surprisingly good. Um, I think leadership and teamwork. Because even in that ep in that part, you know, he's he, he well, he doesn't say it explicitly. There's that openness to allow for other communication and thought. And and when the other person was like, "Hey, let's plug another hole," you know, he was like, "That sounds like a good plug-in idea." He yeah. said and they the name plug of the a episode. Hole. They worked in the episode a few times. Huh? Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, this was this was an episode of television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is a what is that called? Um, the the pseudo the pseudo seizure. PNS. PNS. PNES. Pseudogenic non-epileptic seizure. Okay. There's there's one other thing. Or psychogenic. Sorry. There's another thing that makes me really happy that like lets me know that scientists have a sense of humor. Everybody knows about a murder of crows, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know what a group of flamingos is called? Oh, I knew this. A flamboyance I of knew flamingos. It. <laughs> and that, right? Oh wow! I mean, you gotta That's be amazing. you gotta be I happy totally with didn't that. Know that. Yep. You gotta be happy with that. Flamboyance. That's actually you the name of the last book in uh, the Game of Thrones series. <laughs> flamboyant of flamingos. I can't wait for that one. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Yeah. All set in Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
That was pretty good. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's a good place to end this. All right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, thanks, folks, for listening. Uh, thank you, Scott and Greg, for joining us. And we will be back next week with more Hi, Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.